The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up, with host Carol Oglesby. This program explores the historical roots that women's sport has taken in the past half century, from light competition to collegiate, professional, and Olympic sports today. Now, here is your host, Carol Oglesby. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to an exciting program today. For generations, we've always heard references to the ivory tower of higher education, Jokes about university college professors who walked around in some kind of intellectual fog, far removed from our own ordinary folk life and trials. But uh, these stereotypes, these stereotypes are today quite inaccurate as most professors are expected and actually evaluated on the service they take on for communities. The field of kinesiology, formerly physical education, has particularly come to a focus for deep civic engagement as the cultural issues of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, other chronic diseases associated with inactivity can be addressed by professionals in fitness, sport, athletic training, exercise physiology, and psychology. Our guests today are outstanding exemplars of the dramatic results which evidence-based and culturally sensitive community projects at low or no cost to participants can provide. The leader of this team is Dr. Leija Carter, who has created a multi-pronged effort at Lock Island University with the title PEAK, Performance Excellence in Applied Kinesiology. Two additional community leaders with us are Olympic two-time gold medalist Angela Hughes and poet and author Samira Mirror Osborne. You're going to be learning a lot about these women and all they do, so let's get going. I'm going to ask each guest now to give just a two-minute bio uh, as a warm-up, and then our first segment is going to focus uh, primarily on Peak and Dr. Carter. So, Lija, Angela, and then Mirror, um, could you give just a minute or two about yourselves? What brings you here? Sure. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Lija Carter. I'm an assistant professor here at Long Island University, Brooklyn, and I'll refer to Long Island University from here on out as LIU. Um, so I'm an assistant professor in the Division of Athletic Training, Health, and Exercise Science. I'm also the director of PEAK, um, and we'll talk more about the PEAK program later. Uh, I'm chair of the Diversity Committee for the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, um, as well as I coordinate the Women in Sports Special Interest Group. Um, Angela, how about you? Thanks so much. Hello, everyone, as well. Uh, my name is Angela Hughes. Um, as Carol, you mentioned, two-time Olympic gold medalist in soccer and uh, currently president of the Women's Sports Foundation, which was founded by Billie Jean King back in 1974. Um, I tend to focus more on educational platforms and programs and do a lot of uh, speaking around sports leadership um, and recently uh, did a TEDx talk on the power and hidden power of uh, introverted leaders. Great. Mirror, how about you? Hello, and thanks for having me, Carol. Um, as you mentioned, I am an author of a book uh, titled A Poet's Journey, Bon Voyage, and the founder of a newly established nonprofit organization titled um, Heart to Heart, Heart to Heart, excuse me. Um, during this um, time, I'm currently working as an HR representative for an engineering firm, but outside of that, um, I'm constantly working towards establishing the nonprofit organization and delivering services uh, that are getting to youth development to young girls ages 14 to 18. Um, primarily, this program is being established in the Brooklyn, uh, New York City area, um, but we're looking to branch out and uh, just share the opportunity for growth with as many young girls as possible. 
Wow, that's quite a team you've put together, Lija. Um, how about let's talk uh, in specifics now about Peak, but also starting with you as the founder of this whole project. So uh, could you tell us about yourself growing up? Were you into sports or not? Who inspired you? Um, how would you deal with those kind of questions? Um, so, yeah, as a kid, I was always into sports. Um, I have about 10-plus years of martial arts experience. Uh, taekwondo, karate, judo, Wing Chun, um, did track and field and basketball my entire life. Um, who inspired me? I don't have an athletic inspiration. Um, a lot of my inspiration comes from philosophers and scholars. Um, so I'm very much inspired by Carter Woodson and Maya Angelou, um, particularly Carter Woodson as he talks about um, how we educate black people and um, giving back to your community as a black educated person. And of course, Maya Angelou um, when we talk about black women's experiences experiences, and uh, black womanhood. Um, and so those two um, and others are pretty much my inspiration and kind of um, their philosophies and their works are uh, kind of what drive me and can be found in the programs um, in peak. Um, do you want me to talk about how I got into kinesiology? Or, yes, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, because many of your inspirational sources are kind of literary or philosophical, and kinesiology, all, all, many times, um, I think, unfortunately, people think it's just as dealing with the body. It's really so much more than that. But how did you sort of uh, harness these uh, different inspirations to get into kinesiology? Well, it's an interesting story because I didn't... Um and I wasn't originally passionate about kinesiology. I originally went to school for clinical forensic psychology. I wanted to be an FBI profiler. Um, and it's a, it's a kind of long, goofy story, but at the same time, I was, I was a collegiate athlete, and I was dealing with my own um, anxiety, performance anxiety with the pole vault um, during college. And um, after discovering sports psychology and exercise psychology, to help me with my performance issues, um, I became a little bit more curious about um, kinesiology and sports psychology. Um, I also had a, um, an interest in clinical health psychology at the same time and, um, of course, wanting to figure out a way to help with health, my family's health issues. Um, and so I was a young a woman who had this master's degree in psychology, um, but also was curious about sport and anxiety, but also felt a need to help my community um, based off of kind of my parents' um, goals for me and how I was raised, um, raised off of just, you know, black philosophy. And so um, I went back to school and got a degree in exercise science. And then um, I had a really good conversation with Dr. Michael Sachs about what kinesiology was and kind of how I could connect clinical psychology with exercise science and exercise psychology in order to have a good background that would help me help black women um, because that was really where I wanted to go, but I couldn't put all my thoughts together. And so my doctoral studies really were a journey in me finding myself, um, finding myself as a black feminist and a black feminist um, a budding expert in black women's health um, and how I could be an activist and um, a, a researcher in that particular area. Um, so I really didn't set out to be um, a, a kinesiologist uh, at all, but under uh, mentorship and someone helped me kind of connect all of my different ideas into one, um, kinesiology ended up being the best home for me. But I, I wouldn't have thought that if you would have asked me 10 years ago. Right. Well, what what brought you to LIU, and, and how did the concept of the PEAK program take shape? Um, what brought me to LIU was, one, it's in New York City, um, and it's in Brooklyn, and I wanted to find an academic home that was in an urban city environment um, that had diversity across race, gender, economic status, um, internationality. I wanted to be challenged. Um, I didn't just want to, uh, I didn't want to just say I want to work with black women. 
um, I wanted to work with black women, but then women of color, and then just across all different socioeconomic statuses. And then, so seeing where LIU was placed, it was perfect. It would, it would allow me to help women and all different types of women in the way that I wanted to. And when I sat down with the dean and talked to him about my vision, what I wanted to bring to LIU, which was PEAK, this kind of, uh, this, this center, this program that had all these arms out into the community that would be free. Um, and he didn't scoff at it. He just, he liked it. He was just like, okay, yeah, let's do it. I felt, okay, well, this is clearly going to be my home, you know, that being able to be in a, at an institution that would allow me to spend all of my time working with the community, um, and I wouldn't be questioned about it. It would, they would understand, what, of course, why the, I wanted to do that. Um, it just seemed like the perfect fit. And so that's why I chose LIU. Um, its location and because my vision is supported, uh, is supported here. Well, as you say, uh, the PEAK program itself has many different arms. Um, so maybe take us through the different programs that are operating right now and, and how long they've been going and and uh, how much have you been able to do. Actually, I know you haven't been there at LIU for decades. It's been a sort of a short period of time. But uh, describe the different programs and what you've been able to do so far. For sure. Um, I, I honestly couldn't have imagined how fast Peak would have grown so quickly. Um, uh, so Peak had started out um, as a lab um, whereby I just had the sports psychology clinic uh, where we provided services to the athletes here at LIU as well as to athletes outside of LIU. So, and those might be youth athletes, um, college athletes at other colleges and universities, or the everyday exerciser. They could come in. Uh, my orientation um, is mindfulness, so I might do some mindfulness-based biofeedback for the sessions um, to help them work through any issues that they're having. So it started out as the SE, as a sports psychology clinic, um, and it became very popular because there are no sports psychology services within the New York City metro area. Um, and so we started getting so, so much, uh, pop, we gained a lot of popularity, um, a lot of interest, and I had to take on interns um, in order to manage all the interest that was occurring. Um, but of course, at the same time, I had other goals for things that I wanted to do. And one was I wanted to create a program to help developing nonprofits um, realize their goals for whatever was their mission. Um, and so around the end of the spring semester um, of 2015, I created the GIVE program. And the GIVE program is a nonprofit development program for nonprofits within the New York City area, um, as well as community programs. So you don't have to be an established nonprofit. You can also be a community program um, whom are within the first three years of being established that are experiencing the natural um, hurdles and shortcomings of being a newly established nonprofit or community program. So they might, um, they might, have, um, they might be experiencing financial difficulty or just difficulty networking, or maybe they need a website um, or some social media assistance. Um, and what the GIFT program does is we take in about four nonprofits a year and me and my staff help build their capacity. We'll write grants for them. We'll do social media and marketing. We'll network for them. Uh, we'll send out donation letters. We'll do anything that we need to do in order to help build their capacity. Um, the founders of the community, part, um, the community programs and the nonprofits also attend different workshops throughout the year um, in order to help them become educated on how to um, best manage their nonprofits. So that way, when they leave the gift program, they stay in for two to three years. When they leave, they are hopefully educated on how they can continue to realize the mission and vision for their nonprofit. So GIVE was established um, around May, June of 2015, um, and we've taken on about three nonprofits a year. Um, now, the third program we have in PEAK is Mind, Body, and Soul. Uh, which is set to launch um, this uh, fall semester. And that is really um, my research agenda, which is black women's health and, and women of color's health. 
So a series of research studies led to Mind, Body, and Soul, um, and it's providing uh, black women uh, sports psychology consulting, um, exercise consulting, hair management and nutrition um, education um, over a 16-week program to help them maintain um, or engage in a healthy lifestyle and then be adherent to it. Um, And so between those three programs, that's pretty much what makes up PEAK. We do have additional research projects um, coming out of PEAK, but the main programs are those three, our our clinic, the sports psychology clinic, GIVE, and Mind, Body, and Soul. Um, In the second segment of our program today, we're going to be hearing from two other people that are working with you, and I wondered, they're going to talk about their programs, but could you just talk about what each of them does and how that fits into the framework that you've described for PEAK? Sure. So um, Samara Osborne um, is one of the community partners within GIVE. She came in during our first cohort, um, and she'll be talking about um, how GIVE um, has nurtured her um, community program called Heart to Heart. Um, So she's one of um, uh, the community partners. And then Angela Hookleys is um, on the advisory board of PEAK, and PEAK has an awesome advisory board. Um, I like to think of our advisory board as not the traditional advisory board where they just kind of sit there and, you know, see all the great things happening, but it's a very active advisory board that allows us to be expansive and really help the community. Um, And so Angela is going to talk about a um, certificate program that, we've put together that's going to be offered through Long Island University this year called the LEADS program. Um, and the LEADS program is really... Um, oh, you know what? Sorry to break in on you. We're going we're gonna to have to take a break now, and, and we'll pick this uh, LEADS program up uh, sure. in detail in just a second. Um, it's time for our break, and when we return, we're going to hear from Olympian and WSF President Angela Hukleys and poet advocate Mira Osborne. So here you are on Women in Sport, The Long Road Up. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Carol Oglesby has a documented commitment to performance enhancement and development of positive embodiment along the full age and ability spectrum. She has created sport community-based programs that empower, educate, motivate in a sports plus model. She has worked with elite athletes who have experienced injury, burnout, and challenged relationships with coaches and teammates. She is a life coach dedicated to aid in the rediscovery of clarity, purpose, and joy in clients. Call Carol today at 818-324-2957. That's 818-324-2957. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up. To reach Carol Oglesby or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everyone, to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up on the Empowerment Channel. We're going to turn now to two of the community leaders that have joined the PEAK team. Um, Angela Hucles is going to be talking about the LEADS program that um, Legia was just uh, starting into. Uh, but first, Angela, um, we need to know a little bit more about you as an individual. Uh, could you tell us about uh, your extensive athletic background? Absolutely. Uh- I, I like to say sports sports is my air supply and uh, has been my lifeline. Um, I started, actually, I, I guess the first time I did anything in terms of sports was when I was two years old and my parents um, had me take swimming lessons. So was in the pool at a very early age and um, actually started out doing a swim team, a neighborhood swim team when I was six, um, and then decided to switch the next next season um, and participated in a sport that my family wasn't really familiar with, but um, tried soccer for the first time at seven years old, um, and I instantly loved it. 
and felt very fortunate to be able to um, continue that love of, of the game and actually turn it into my career. So um, went to the University of Virginia as a student athlete, studied anthropology, uh, but after I graduated, had the opportunity to, to join um, and be drafted uh, into the very first women's professional soccer league in our country, which which uh, was the WSA, the Women's United Soccer Association. Um, our, our country has seen three different leagues, and it's uh, third professional women's soccer league. But um, throughout that time, as as a professional athlete, I was able to um, play for the Boston Breakers as my pro club, and then also have the opportunity um, to represent my country on the U.S. Um, national teams. And um, over the course of about a 10-year period playing professionally. I competed uh, in two Olympics as well as two World Cup teams and was able to travel the world, um, have a lot of lifelong friends because of of this game and, and sport that I loved as a, as a seven-year-old with pigtails, um, enjoying the orange slices at halftime. So um, I think for me, one of the greatest um, gifts sport has, has really brought me has been not just the physical elements and benefits, but really the the mentality, the confidence, um, self-esteem, the the leadership um, training, and different abilities, and really transferable skills um, that I've been able to pick through and understand that I could apply to life. Uh, after I retired from from playing soccer professionally, um, and that's really where I think the the heart and the passion of of sports were really lie for me, um, and it's been really exciting to um, take what I've learned on the playing field and learned uh, from different teammates and coaches and different teams along the way, and now apply it in a in a different capacity um, in the work that I'm doing now, both with Women's Sports Foundation as well as uh, creating different and unique um, educational programs and, and offerings to, to people right now. Well, definitely we're beginning to delve into the leadership experiences that you've had uh, beyond being um, simply an outstanding Olympian player. Um, what was a what was your role with the Women's Sports Foundation? What or I should probably should say what different roles have you held with them and, and how did you use your leadership skill with the foundation? Right. Yeah, it's it's really it's been a um, very interesting um, experience for me. I have been affiliated with the Women's Sports Foundation for over a decade now, um, especially as an athlete um, and speaking on behalf of the foundation. But um, I currently serve on the board of the foundation as well as the athlete advisory board, um, and and currently the president of the Women's Sports Foundation. So it's really I feel that position is. Um, a link between the athletes um, and and the Women's Sports Foundation. And um, WSF is really a, a voice for athletes, I feel, and it, it's definitely an advocate for uh, youth athletes and getting young women um, involved in sports and physical activity because of all of those amazing benefits that sports can um, really provide for an individual. Uh, and then also um, advocating for athletes who don't have opportunities. Um, uh, right now, the statistic is um, only uh, uh, two in five girls have the opportunity to play um, sports and, and be physically active, uh, which means three in five girls don't have those opportunities don't have the access and the majority of those girls that don't um, tend to be um, uh, with girls of color. So African-American, Hispanic, uh, Latina girls that don't have the opportunity to play sport. Um, and, you know, I, me being an African-American female, um, you know, I would be in that statistic and to not have had the opportunities uh, to, to play or compete in sports, um, I probably would be a completely different person to this day. So mm. I understand the tremendous value um, that sports can bring to a young person's life and how um, the effects can be lifelong and, and lasting for um, a long period of time. And so that's one of the things that um, you know I feel is a part of what I hope um, organizations like the Women's Sports Foundation can really bring awareness to and also help to really make, make that change that we want to see. 
Well, how did you uh, make the connection with Legia and and become a part of the lead program that's in in the peak? I had the um, wonderful opportunity to meet Legia. She was organizing a panel on diversity at the Association for Applied Sports Psychology conference, the ASH conference, um, a few years ago, and um, really it was after just working with her through um, getting ready for that event and that panel, uh, we um, made a connection and just started talking about all of our other passions and things that we really wanted to see um, done in in this world and had so many uh, shared interests that um, the conversations quickly turned to um, more active conversations and what are we going to really do about these things that we want to see. Um, so it's been a, a wonderful um, uh, experience. It was almost a surprise experience. I've done a lot of speaking and have never had uh, the type of um, after aftermath as I did with, with Leisha. Um, and so we really started thinking about what we were interested in, what where we were already doing work, um, and started to form the idea of, of what we're calling the LEADS program, which is a certificate program um, that will be offered at LIU. And I see it as almost this total mind, body, spirit program for peak performance, uh, both as, as athletes as well as sports professionals, so coaches, administrators, um, and really covering uh, all of the areas that, that Leisha and I are, are covered in, in terms of our expertise and our work. Um, from uh, the physicality to um, the mind and mental connection uh, and ways to really bring out your best uh, in in athletics and sports performance. Okay. Uh, We're going to come back to this again um, in the last segment of the show, but I want to make sure that we have uh, the time to hear a full story about Mirror's program uh, out of the give aspect of PEAK. So, uh, Mirror, first off... uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, and what brought you into connection with Dr. Carter. Hi, Carol. Um, Well, as I mentioned, I am an author, and I've recently wrote uh, my first book. It's titled A Poet's Journey, Bon Voyage. Um, But I'll tell you that um, it started off as a manuscript that sat for about mm, eight years before it actually developed into a book. And um, it was definitely one of the main inspirations for me to just kind of take this business to the next level. Um, you know, uh, this story begins uh, as far back as me, uh, you know, being a young girl inspired by a school project, um, which was a poetry project. And later I discovered that I was actually good at it, and it, you know, later led to me writing this book um, and not having an idea of which direction to go in, how to manifest um, my dreams or visions for the book or my career path. And, you know, so eventually uh, what I did was uh, continue networking and um, Dr. Carter and I met through a mutual friend for the Linny who was definitely um, an awesome figure and inspiration for me. She introduced us about a year and a half ago, um, and that's when the business just took off. And the the PEAK program has definitely served um, as the yeast to the bread and in helping this project rise to, to you know, reach new heights. Um, so currently, Heart to Heart's conception is really, like I said, the offspring of my longing to, one, figure out who I was as a woman, um, and to identify my own purpose. As I mentioned, I, I discovered early on that, oh, okay, I'm pretty good at this poetry thing. I, I like it. <laughs> um, and um, I had a few uh, opportunities to engage in a national contests that I won, um, as well as other, you know, opportunities, which just led me to believe and confirm that this was something that I should pursue, Um I quickly, you know, I quickly decided that, um, you know, using this to help people would be the best way. I didn't know how, but as I said, Peak was definitely a major component in helping me shape that vision and bring everything together to figure out how I could use, you know, poetry as an agent and how I could use this gift that I had to help 
people and um, just, you know, be an overall agent of change. And, and so I'm really excited about all of, you know, the things that we've developed thus far in, in showing young girls how they, too, can use poetry as a voice, a voice to not only express themselves, but even learn how to identify who they are as they transition. Um, I know oftentimes, you know, you know, going through young adulthood into adulthood brings its own challenges. But Heart to Heart is a company or organization that will definitely make that transition a little smoother for young women. Would you, um, do you have uh, people, uh, women or, or men, for that matter, of various ages uh, coming to meetings uh, at some place, maybe on a campus or something, or do you go out into the schools? Um, how is it really physically or, or, or um, actual, in actuality that you perform the service, get, get the either young people or uh, adult women actually writing their own poetry? How, how does that happen? Well, uh, my partners, my peer partners and I have created several programs and curriculums to actually guide and show young women ages 14 to 18. I primarily focus on high school students. Um, we've created uh, programs to pretty much guide them and walk them through how to, one, identify uh, themselves and understand the power of self-identity. Uh, one of those uh, curriculums is titled um, I Am, which is very awesome. I think it... Um, definitely shed some light on certain principles that are needed to operate. But what we do is we actually take this information to the students. Uh, we, we present this um, during, during after-school hours as an after-school program. Okay, we have just a couple of minutes um, until our next break, but I wondered if each of the three of you might chime in on this one. Um, in your perspective, what have been the major obstacles or the challenges that you're facing uh, to try to achieve the goals within these different parts of the PEAK program? Um, uh, Lija, why don't you go first, and then Angela, just uh, what, what are you facing day to day? I think um, the number one challenge um, that I've experienced, uh, uh, which I think we might have opportunity to talk about the Superwoman study and its connection to mind, body, and soul, but just for people to know, to get the word out that um, PEAK exists, um, but particularly um, the research and the programming for black women. It's been a challenge to connect with black women in um, in this particular area, and not because of lack of interest. It's they're busy. They're busy women. They're busy mothers. They're they're busy um, living their lives, and so finding the best way to connect to the population that we want to serve has been the challenge, and has been what um, me and my staff have been trying to work on. Mm-hmm. Angela, anything you want to add on that? I think that's always. Um, I guess I'll take it back a little bit off of what Leitra just mentioned, but um, I think that's always a, a big issue is um, is access and just making sure that the people who are interested um, have the access to the information and and the materials and resources that are really out there. Um, And I think, you know, what our plan is in terms of um, our our certificate program, LEAD LEAD certificate program, is to, um, you know, offer this to students, to the community who um, can then take the information and the knowledge um, and be able to really get more young girls involved in sports, um, give uh, more education and knowledge and pass that that along to um, the next generation and really make it something that's important to the community as well. Well, we're about out of time on this segment, so Mirror, for sure, we're going to get your ideas about obstacles uh, as we come back in just a couple of minutes. We're going to be talking about uh, this obstacles issue and then also, more importantly, the future ahead for PEAK. So come back and join us on The Long Road Up.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Carol Oglesby has a documented commitment to performance enhancement and development of positive embodiment along the full age and ability spectrum. She has created sport community-based programs that empower, educate, motivate in a sports plus model. She has worked with elite athletes who have experienced injury, burnout, and challenged relationships with coaches and teammates. She is a life coach dedicated to aid in the rediscovery of clarity, purpose, and joy in clients. Call Carol today at 818-324-2957. That's 818-324-2957. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Women and Sport, The Long Road Up. To reach Carol Oglesby or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Now back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. In this last segment, we're going to particularly attempt a crystal ball picture of the future for peak. Um, it, just at the wrap up of our last segment, uh, Lija mentioned uh, the idea of the busyness of life and the, the many roles that uh, black women particularly are playing uh, being an obstacle to uh, uh, a lot of to self-development. And Angela mentioned other forms of access. Mirror, uh, in just a word or two, is there anything that you think uh, is a major obstacle that you're facing all the time? Oh, I would definitely agree with Lija um, as far as obstacles are concerned. But resources, awareness, those are some of the greatest obstacles that we face. Okay, exactly. Um, okay, this is a big question I want to ask now, probably one of the more important ones of our, our whole show. Um, I'm, I would like for you to get as detailed as possible about what are the elements that are need to be brought into play for you to be even more successful. And by elements, I mean monetary elements, funding, more personnel, more attention in the media. Let's try to cover uh, uh, in depth here. What are what are you needing in order to be more even more successful than you have been with these very important goals? So, Angela, how about you go first on this one? I say all of the above. <laughs> <You just mentioned. laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm sure everyone else will probably say the same. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know, in terms of pretty much every every venture, every um, program, everything that um, you know, I'm putting my my heart and energy into, and, and working on professionally, um, it, it's all with with the lens of empowerment, leadership. Um, you know, especially as it pertains to females um, and and also youth. And I think um, the access portion is, is a huge element. Um, as I said, being African-American, um, you know, I can see, see little girls um, who look just like me growing up who don't have the opportunities. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times people have um, uh, the desire but just don't have the support or um, have a caring adult in their life to really help and encourage them along the way. And so I think the resources um, allowing for more funding for females in in the coaching world um, is a big thing. I think um, having the education to parents about why it's so important to get their young girls active and participate in sports is is another huge um, component as well. And just the understanding of of what we're trying to do so that... um, they already have a foundational base of of why we think this is so important. Um, you know, so creating uh, essentially that that buy-in effect um, of of why we want to get young girls uh, healthy and active, um, and then you know, along the lines too of just um, building capacity. That's why I love um, uh, what what Leisha is doing with with her uh, peak community. Um, there are so many wonderful organizations out there um, that are doing wonderful things, uh, but the capacity just isn't there. Um, 
from my experience being on teams, you can get a lot more accomplished when you have a team of support um, all working to achieve the same goal. And so I think uh, the resources and funding to allow this to happen, uh, more programs that are, are helping the ones out there to build their capacity so that they can uh, affect, uh, affect more people and really create more, more positive change in the world. Um, I think just building that community of support to help one another along is really uh, the ideal goal um, because a lot of things that, uh, especially that, that I'm focused on, um, it's, it's really making a cultural shift and it's really dealing with things that will take a long time to change. So um, by combining efforts and all working together, we can really uh, cut down on, on the time that it takes for these, these really magical things to happen. Uh, I want to get Angela and Lija perhaps both on something here. Um, you've mentioned the word access, and I know, and you've also said that there's a certificate aspect to the LEADS program. And a lot of times I think women particularly have the idea that they're going to have to prove their capacity, and it helps to have a piece of paper that says uh, you've accomplished something, you know something. This certificate is proof that um, you're up to the task. Is that part of your aspect? aspect of, of helping with access into leadership positions. Did you, did you think about those things? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> d- 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 yeah. Describe, <laughs> describe. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right, Carol. And it, you just hit the nail on the head is that, you know, we wanted to give um, people who um, attend the classes a piece of paper that says that you did receive some type of formalized training that you that says that you understand the leadership aspects of sport and how to work with how to develop kids to be leaders through a sport lens um, that might help them um, at, in their workplace if they're coaches or teachers or whomever they might need. To, to prove that they've gotten this additional education. Um, and so we did think about that when we were kind of conceptualizing this and thinking about who would be interested in some type of education of this sort, training of this sort. Mm-hmm. Um, what else about the elements, the needed elements question, Lija? What, what are the things that you're looking for either from the university or the community? What, what are the things that you're needing that you're um, still uh, sort of beating the bushes trying to find? Um, I think one thing is just that it's intangible, and it's just in the field of sport and exercise psychology, um, a willingness for people to turn the traditional idea of what is sport and exercise psychology on its head and um, think outside the box, you know, that it's not just about um, athleticism and working with athletes. It's not about it. We can take what we learn um, as kinesiologists and as sport and exercise psychologists, and we can put that completely 100% into the community and create and build and help other people actualize um, themselves and their dreams through the lens of sport and exercise psychology. Um, I'm constantly being asked, is that really sports psychology what you do? Is that sport and exercise psychology? Um, people um, connect it more to social work or to general psychology. And I'm like, no, it's, it's sports, sport and exercise psychology. I was, I was trained in kinesiology. Um, and so I think that an openness, um, looking more through a contemporary lens, around what is sport and exercise psychology, where is this field going, who is it that we need to be looking to serve, um, and how are we being advocates in our community, um, and how are we going to be voices for those who are voiceless through this type of education and training that we get um, is really what I think the need is. I think that you can, just from the position, the privilege, the privilege that I sit in um, at LIU, I can, I can ask and get... Um, other resources, but uh, having others within the field think a little bit more um, openly around how we can all collectively um, shape and help our community through our training um, has been um, a challenge, and I'd, I'd like to see that change. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to come back uh, with just a couple of questions about how research fits into this. But first off, Mira, I wanted to hear your viewpoints about what are the elements that you feel like you need that you could accomplish so much more if you just had more of what? What would be the answer to that statement? (laughs) 
<laughs> Definitely additional staff. While my peak partners are awesome, I think we're growing rapidly, and the more hands, the merrier. Um, next to that, I think that um, the cooperation from, you know, educators and uh, people in a position of power, and you know, within maybe the Department of Education for the purpose of implementing this program to bring about that social and emotional uh, development that's just missing from traditional curriculums. Um, and, yeah, definitely social awareness of the program. I think it's important for young women to be aware that this program exists and that such an environment is available for them, you know, just so that they can, um, you know, voice themselves. Sometimes young girls have or, or are limited with uh, the amount of information they can share. And so I definitely, you know, would really like for young women to know that there is an environment where you can either find that voice or express that voice with, you know, and it totally be okay. Having been involved myself in advocacy for a long time, um, I know that advocacy without research is um, uh, less effective. Um, people that are hearing you speak uh, may think that this is just empty um, rhetoric, um, self-aggrandizement, or something like that. So I think it's very important. Uh, the foundation, Women's Sports Foundation, has always um, searched a lot for a research basis for the things that they've been um, advocating about. And, and Lija, I know that you put research as something very important in terms of the whole uh, PEAK program. So tell us a little bit about the research that's going on for you right now. Sure, um, and we have some pretty awesome um, research projects happening, so I'll try to keep it short. Um, so we have the Superwoman study that's um, uh, close to being uh, finished up. The Superwoman study is looking at black women's experiences regarding health, um, their perceptions of physical activity, nutrition, as well as coping with daily life stress and how how does being the primary caregiver, meaning um, being the superwoman, taking care of themselves, their community, going to work, perhaps getting an education, taking care of their family, doing all of that, um, serve as a barrier potentially to them engaging in their own self-care. Um, and so my theory around this is that when we look at um, helping black women with health, we we can't just say, you know, exercise or eat better because there is a lot that goes into their day. So we have to really look at what they're managing, what we as black women are managing, and how being that caregiver, that superwoman, really does impede the process of having a healthy lifestyle. Um, the superwoman study um, was a series of focus groups that happened um, right outside of Chicago as well as in Brooklyn. Um, and so what we found is that that from the sample um, from both of those studies um, that black women do feel and experience um, in various different ways that they do have to be super women for their family and community. And that does serve as a barrier to them engaging in their own self-care. Um, and that it's not that they don't want to eat healthy or get 10,000 steps a day or get more sleep. That When is that going to happen when they're doing so much for everyone else? And the mind, body, and soul program is actually tailored to that superwoman schema that black women tend to be socialized into. So it's to help black women with this Afrocentric, using an Afrocentric perspective, still maintain their blackness and their womanhood, but care for themselves and, and try to help them with any feelings of guilt they might have around that. Um, another study that we are um, Finishing up, and then we have a secondary study after that, is a study looking at um, if there's any associations between colorism and sexism um, and media representations of um, professional African-American women in sport. So we're particularly interested to see if um, skin complexion um, has any type of relationship with um, how the media represent African-American women. So if a lighter-skinned black woman might get more media exposure or more positive media representations than a darker-skinned black woman. And uh, we looked at um, African-American professional athletes across three different sports, um, looking at nine different women to see if there's any differences regarding skin complexion. And we're also just looking at general um, 
gender stereotypes as well. Um, our second study to that is looking at international athletes to see if there's a difference between how U.S. athletes are portrayed versus international athletes. Um, and then uh, we have some studies coming out of PEAK looking at veterans' experiences of their self, their physical self-concept, and physical activity. So while we still have the programs going, we still have awesome research going that um, is culturally relevant, culturally sensitive, um, and I think pushes the envelope um, when it comes to traditional ideas of kind of what would be sport psychology general uh, research. Well, we have so much to talk about and such a little bit of time here. There's not much, not many minutes, uh, not many seconds left. Um, I, I wonder if each of you would just comment about what your dream would be five years or 10 years down the road for you and, and the work that you're doing. So really short. Myra, how about, I'm sorry, um, Mira, Mira, would you go first? Yeah, absolutely, Carol. I'll be happy to go. Um, my vision for Heart to Heart is that, again, every young girl is affiliated with it, or every, you know, everyone is aware of the program and all of the benefits that, you know, Heart to Heart will bring. Um, I see not only Heart to Heart being an environment that's virtual. Um, but also a physical environment where young women can go and, you know, participate in different activities. So, yeah, I definitely hope to see it grow uh, nationally. Uh, Angela and Lija, you have 30 seconds. Quick, quick, quick. <laughs> What's the dream? Oh, oh, could, could you have a joint say, dream? <laughs> uh, all, all girls have access to sports and physical activity and gender equity. Um in the world, and I'll just say if those two things could happen in five years, that would be a miracle. Amazing. Okay, great. All and right, everyone. Lija, quick, yeah. Carol, I just would like to see the Mind, Body, and Soul program become a national program. Great, great ideas. And maybe we can do another one of these a little bit down the road and get more, some more insight into what you're saying. This has been Women in Sport, The Long Road Up on the Empowerment Channel of Voice America. Next week, we're going to take a spin on the track at the Indy 500 with driver Lynn St. James, so be sure and join us. Thank you for listening to Women in Sport, The Long Road Up. Please join Carol Oglesby for another edition next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have an amazing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.